Do we want to talk about the most recent event? The uh, Dragon Spine. Dragon Spine. Yeah, back to Mondstadt and back to Albedo's quest, which was kind of left off last year. But that event didn't really, I don't remember really walking away from that, like thinking anything super special, like other than everybody was suspicious of Albedo. Now it has been a whole ass year. Like that's, you know, 12 months in real time. But they did, they were faster at being forthcoming about answering questions. I mean, it could just be because like, you know, I'm used to being in the really long haul for MMOs and mobile games for delivering on story stuff. But like, candidly just coming out and having Albedo explain like, yeah, I'm a homunculus. I was made by Ryan's daughter, AKA Gold. There are clones of me running around. This thing on my neck is indication that I'm an artificial That's human. That's my belly button. Like, they, they did, like, you know, wait an entire year to continue this story, but I do like what I'm seeing with the through line of, like, actually delivering on stuff that they're setting up, because... No, because, like, if this was, like, a shonen manga, we wouldn't get this answer for, like, six years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, we've seen this before, these revelations and how they're paced, and it's like, thank you for respecting us enough to just, like, drop them now. They did a very good job of kind of picking up where they left off, with albedo because before he had like that line about like you know traveler if i ever you know lose control or go too far will you be there to stop me and that uh, and that on top of the the curse of real sword event like really left breadcrumbs that people were wondering like okay how shady is albedo and how much can we trust him and then they dropped the trailer for this event oh yeah we see in it is Albedo attacking the Traveler and his companions. And we're immediately led to believe, oh, we're getting a payoff on that. Yeah, like, I think that was everyone's response was like, oh, now, this is happening now. And he was using cryo. It's like, is this the dual elements at work? He has well, a design of someone who could have Geo and cryo, but alas, somehow the spoiler of it's a whopper flower like hit us really early uh so we kind of set our expectations lower based on that and it was actually a little bit cooler than i thought it was i don't think whopper. the whopper flower is the end of the equation as much of it as it's a manifestation of durin making dragon spine weird also like the whopper flower wasn't the only clone too it was another proc fate um, yeah 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 i and think durin is the one that's like manifesting the albedo clones like isn't that his like the younger brother or maybe she fed them to Durin. I think they intentionally left it vague as to yeah. what the exact origin of the second Albedo was. Because they also floated that it could have just been a straight-up prototype. Yeah, and then they had the weird thing with Joel's dad at the end. And it's like, hmm, you're sus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that is the repurposed prototype. Like, exactly. I think that's also intentionally left vague, but... Um, yeah, like, it's doing experiments, too. It's it's using, like, you know, the Whopper Flowers mimicry and seeing what it could do with that, and it, it'll take a different tack next Christmas. Yeah, I, I do think yeah, that... It, 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 was already, the, uh... it already manifested another Ice Flower last year, so it's definitely kind of a theme of getting the Ice Flowers cool. going. Cool. Uh, I also think that the people on the lore subreddit who, like, are tying themselves into knots yeah. about, like... Is the albedo that we're running into still the real one? Like, I think the game made it pretty clear that that was a joke that was an incredibly poor taste. Yeah. Also, the, the point is that you can't really trust either way, so the game will never tell you flat out again. Yeah. But like, congratulations, albedo is now the spinning top in Inception. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
And that's the point. Honestly, yeah. I feel like Mondstadt's going to be... We keep talking about the Mondstadt's going to get destroyed meme and like how it's like return to Mondstadt. And... <laughs> how we're all going to pop bottles when Mondstadt gets destroyed. Yeah, Mondstadt's going to get destroyed like... Good. As part of like, you know, version 9.0 or 8.0, like sometime around Chesnaya, sometimes around Conria, whatever we're visiting at the end of the game, Monstat's going to get blown up there. Uh, also, it is, it is not an Among Us reference, it is a The Thing reference because it's in the snow. <laughs> also, Among Us is just, you know... The like, Thing in space. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to see more The Thing Genshin crossover fan art. There are definitely elements of like isolation horror at play here and i would also just like to thank mihoyo for using this event as another opportunity to solidify a gay ship that we've all been asking about yeah remember what i said a few minutes ago about they're never going to be that explicit okay this is like hi we're going to go take an ice bath okay good night like i thought it was a pretense to split up the party like you do in a horror thing where it's like all right they're going to be preoccupied and something bad's going to happen to us or vice versa. No, they just went and took an ice bath together, you know, like like gal pals, like besties. <laughs> Should we talk about the anniversary event? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Mihoyo, they prove that, like, being really good at what you do is not diametrically opposed to being a greedy scumbag. They do manage to be both. Mm-hmm. They were very stingy and very non-communicative, and the players responded with absolute hellfire. I mean, based on just the the fan backlash alone, it it really felt like the the reaction, at least of the more vocal fans, that were probably fed and pushed by Ten Cent Water Army. Yeah, yeah. But... There is corporate espionage in these outrages, and this is something that's very common. But you know, they can only inflare the stink. They can't cause it. And people were legitimately pissed. And they finally did kind of, like, give us a little bit more. We got those nice wings. We but, got a uh... total of a 20 roll, which is a lot more than you would get from most gotcha games. Yeah. And what they did was they chopped up a $30 bundle that they were going to offer and gave everyone that for free. And I think that's a fair exchange. Yeah. That ended up working out okay. The the problem now is that every anniversary event after this, they're going to have to deliver. Yes. It was was crazy that there wasn't even an in-game, like, inbox message. I think the people who have put their time and money into this game, especially, like, a game as a service, like, you do want to show appreciation for your players, and it's kind of bonkers how reluctant they had been uh, to do that. I noticed that immediately when they got that Game Awards award, they were like, you're getting a 10 roll. We're going to roll it out over four days. Thank you so much for supporting Genshin Impact. So they're they're learning. Who is Jen Shin, and why does she feel impacted? Jennifer Shin has made quite an impact on the game scene. Oh, my <laughs> God. Jen Shin. <laughs> also, like... They did do some cool stuff for the anniversary, but it was all kind of auxiliary stuff. Like, one thing I really, really, really like about Genshin, it is super open-ended to, like, fan works. It's highly encouraging for people to just run with it and even, like, lightly monetize that. And so what they did for the anniversary is they just, like, 
funded a bunch of really good creators to create these amazing videos of Genshin stuff, like the guy who forged the sword and the special effects people that did that, like, tokusatsu fight with Zhongli and, and Child and, like, animators and musicians. And, like, that was really cool. Top motion stuff was very cute. Oh, that was oh, so yeah. cute with Ayaka. Yeah. yeah. The, the Alice in Wonderland thing was, like, a different program, but it was still, like, you know. Oh, my God, that was so cute. The Al I want skins. I want all those skins. The... I want Ether and the little jumper. I want Puffy, Ningguang. The Toku <laughs> thing is my dream come true. Like, I wanted Child's Armor, you know, in the game yeah. since Child came out. Now, that's probably not going to happen. So, what's better than that? It's like, well, give Zhongli some armor, have them fight as, like, a common Rider set. It's like, yeah, that's, this is great. It's, I love it. It was so cool. But, like, they gotta recognize that not all the players are participating in this Dojin sphere Uh a lot of them are just playing the game. And so it's it's not enough to do this, unfortunately. But I, I feel like they're, the fact that they are invested in that Dojin audience is still miles ahead of, like, of community involvement than most other gacha games like. Because, like, I think that in terms of community outreach stuff, it's not abnormal. I think what's noteworthy is the amount of money they're sending back. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, as far as community, like, they're very hands-off, but then they'll just, you know, point out a bunch of people and just give them a shit ton of money. Um, sometimes they won't do that, and they'll do an art contest, which digital artists really don't like. It's seen as kind of exploitative. Mm -hmm. But, like, well, they okay, well. seem to be, fig like, figuring things out. They are learning. All right, so, uh, moving down the list, what are our thoughts on the upcoming stuff i know we're in the middle of a uh dog warrior event um but we are looking forward to ito in the near future god i'm gonna wail so fucking hard for him yeah i'm uh i'm going all in on the new geos yeah, ito in general has just gotten a lot of love i can't believe like our our predictions our predictions for his voice did not include massive veteran pop stars so tm revolution was quite a get i think yeah no kidding holy shit like not in terms of throwing money or name recognition but just like the level of talent for the english max, voice actor max, max middleman fucking yeah, rules yeah. he's so good he is he's so, so good, good. he is so hammy and perfect we've had some discussions off mic about how ito can't even qualify to be a himbo because he's yeah. too mean he's too mean he's a yeah. punk it's great he steals food from children and yoimiya has to step in to like stand up to him to try to defend their food like it's insane yeah he's an asshole he's like a, a low carter in a wrestling lineup which are usually some of our favorite wrestlers <laughs> Also kind of want to know what aspects of, like, the folklore from, like, say, real-life Japan regarding Oni, like, got integrated into Ito's shtick, I guess. Like, there's, like, a, there's a traditional ritual, you could say, like, that's, like, performed, was it, like, New Year's or something? Like It's an like, early year thing. Early in the year, yeah, to, like, sort of expel evil. You get, like, a box of, like, soybeans and you chuck them around and say evil be gone and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, it's the Setsubun, and I think that's an Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing has a lot of Japanese holidays. 
I don't know, like, like, will any anything like that come into play, et cetera, like... Because he's allergic to beans. He says Oni have, like, a debilitating bean allergy. The, one of the first things you learn about Oni being part of Inazuma life is you talk to, like, the ramen stand guy. Oh. And he's like, I have to ask you if you're allergic to beans, because uh, descendants of Oni often are... Oh, um, and this guy was challenged to a kitsune ramen eating contest oh, by yeah. a lady with kitsune ears. Oh, who, oh, wow. It may not be yeah. Yai. I feel like it's it either Yai in disguise, because yeah. they would no. recognize Yai. Yeah. yeah, so he's like, he almost fucking died. <laughs> I cannot feed these things to you if you are part Oni. No, that explains yeah. a lot, because I was listening to that voice line, and I was like, I don't understand the context for why kitsune ramen would be it's like there's like a thing where like it, they, they say um fox is like fried bean curd uh, like the topping for kitsune ramen would be just like a bit of like fried bean curd etc yeah yeah i've had it before it's actually my go-to order when i go to magurama right. <laughs> so you're familiar yeah. with that uh yeah. but yeah like that that would i guess if you if only are supposed to have like a bean allergy in genshin universe or whatever like then yeah that would that would kill him <laughs> yeah and it, it just like it proves that they are thinking about you know what would everyday life be if these folklore creatures were stomping around and like also like if there's uh i guess like whether or not they applied other like folk tales like uh isunboshi or, or... yeah yeah the, the little one inch kid who yeah like rode around in a rice bowl yeah. with a needle and he fought Oni. Born to these old folks and then he was like, thank you for raising me, I'm going to go repay you by killing Oni. Or There, yeah. there was like this one Oni, it was this one Oni uh -huh. that was like messing up the village and he's like, I'm going to take care of this guy for you because you raised me good. And he yeah. basically like shouted the Colossus, Tim. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. huh. And then, like, obviously, like, like Chio is based off of Ibaraki Doji because she loses her arm. Ah, uh, yeah. Which is, yeah, like, yeah. like... I don't really need them to be, like, one for one. I, I, I like that it's not one to one, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's heavily inspired by. And it is kind of a fun Easter egg for if you are familiar with, like, the inspiration. But give me more Chio crumbs. And I want to know more about my mom. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the grind. It's really bad. It's consistently actually kind of the worst thing about the game. Man, I'm really happy that the uh, Golden Wolf Lord came out before Ito and Goro because I've been able to, you know, fight it 56 times to get all the materials that they need to level up. But with that said, I had to fight it 56 times. That's a lot. Yeah, get all the stuff I, I, I need. guess I'll fight him four times, and that's all I can do with Genshin today. Sucks ass for talents, for ascension mats, and God forbid for artifacts. And then, of course, when you're using all those mats, you're constantly running out of Mora. Yeah. And then you have to grind that. It's the same, like, grievance with, like, Spiral Abyss, where you feel locked into what's optimal and not what's fun. Because it takes so much time and so much resources to do anything that it's not worth being experimental. I saw that video about the Yenfei support build, and I'm like, that sounds really cool. I don't want to grind out that weapon and those artifacts and those substats. It sounds awful. You know, they have a, a really fucked up concept of retention. It's it's not making shit accessible for new players, but it is wasting old players' time. 
We've had a lot of fun here on the Shade Chamber tonight, but now it's time for our favorite segment. This is a segment that we're going to keep bringing into any Inazuma-related story beat entitled, There is no W in Tengu. I don't think anyone in Genshin Impact in the entire setting has a worse batting average, has a worse KD ratio than one Kujo Sara. Uh, in the game proper, we just see her taking L's like it's her job. So... <laughs> This segment is dedicated to us looking at what has recently happened in the world of Inazuma and determining whether or not Sara took an L this week. We should actually start at the beginning of her character then, um, just so we can kind of contextualize Ujo, Sara, Colin, a life failure. Uh, so actually, uh, Beefy, you're most familiar with her backstory. Can you elaborate on her humble beginnings? Yes, this is all cobbled together from reading her character story notes and just kind of looking at the in-game beats of the story itself. Uh, we know she started out as a kid on Mount Yogo. Uh, first thing she does is she gets completely thrashed by monsters and thrown off a cliff. Her wings are injured in the process, possibly permanently because, as far as we know, we have never seen her fly. As she's falling off this cliff, she makes a plea to the heavens to preserve her life which is ultimately granted in the form of an Electrovision. This event has two ripples affecting her life. Number one, she devotes her life to the god who she thinks gave her this vision, but in fact was completely uninvolved in this event that saved her life and gave her meaning. And also, her eating shit off the mountain results in her horrible adopted dad, Kujo Takayuki, taking her in, raising her in a loveless childhood as a child soldier. Absolutely no familial fondness or entitlement, uh, while her two brothers, his biological son, kind of get the accolades and status associated with the Kujo clan. <laughs> well, she does nothing but the work. So, um, among Kujo Sara's elf, I think the ones that stand out in particular with just her general failure to uh, stymie the very obvious corruption in the Tenryo Commission, uh, which, of course, concluded with her lying face down, almost full Yamcha pose, in the <laughs> Shogun's foyer, which is my personal favorite among her elves. It's truly iconic. I think that's definitely the one that keeps her up at night. You know, she's she's fallen off to sleep in her little nest, and then... That just pops into her brain, and suddenly she's not going back to sleep for an hour because she's too horrified. I like to think she sleeps with, on one foot, like a flamingo, on her big tango shoes. That's the thing, right? She takes losses at all levels. Like, it's not just, you know, failing at, like, wartime tactics or being on the wrong side of history. It's things like getting shipped with a crayon-eating moron or getting outmaneuvered by a Chinese Hannah Montana... So it's not just, like, you know, the big L's that she's taking. It's all, like, L's big and small. Like, the day-to-day -day things. It's embarrassing. And it's constant. That's the best part. The arguments she has with people in public via the signpost are, like, classic mall-caught behavior a little bit. You just have a very narrow area in which you're, in quotes, enforcing the law when really you're just getting into public arguments with rowdy citizens. 
she's kind of the the Paul Blart of Inazuma. <laughs> it, like imagine just that little hat on her head, like as like one of those like visors, you know, <laughs> scooting around on a little golf cart, patrolling the mall. Because <laughs> we know what? she can't fly. Oh God, that's right, she can't fly. It is wild that we have a character whose entire gimmick in this game is bad luck and terrible things happening to him, and yet he takes fewer on-screen L's than Sara. I think that's what makes it even sadder, because Benny wears his L's on his sleeve. It's a huge part of how cheerful he is, because he's kind of a nihilist. He's just like, well, if nothing matters, I might as well have fun and try to make friends. Uh, Sara just has to bear it all. She cannot let it get to her because she will implode. She has no friends because she was raised in a horribly emotionally neglectful family and is, you know, basically a regime officer, so she's completely unapproachable. And the one person that she respects and looks up to doesn't even really know who she is. She's just like, oh, yes, my general. I don't know oh if Raiden even really knows anything about Sara, because in her voice line, she's like, Oh, yes, the Kujo Tengu. She's a great warrior, and she'll be a great heir for the clan and its future prosperity. When, like, number one, we know the clan's on the shit list, and number two, she's super not in the line of succession. Uh, it's just, It just doesn't look good for her on any front, and it just doesn't seem to be getting better. Sara's first appearance was in Kazuha's animatic as this stoic, formidable figure, the Shogun's right hand, the one who dueled Kazuha's friend on behalf of her god. And to see her <laughs> reduced to a mall cop who manages just elementary school level juvenile delinquents and then ends up getting shipped with I cannot think of anyone who has suffered more disrespect in this universe. Sorry, I was just thinking about the amount of disrespect. Me too, it's Ooh. it's a lot. That is a lot. So anyway, that's a bit of background on Kujo Sara, the Wharf of Genshin. But we're here to see if she took an L this episode. To answer that, we have to check out Kokomi's character quest. Specifically, the part with the peace talks between the Sangonomiya Separatists and the Shogunate Tenryo Commission. Because, while Kokomi's character quest didn't do a lot for Kokomi's character, she still came away from it looking a lot better than Kujo Sara. Alright, so, they're at the peace talks. There's these, these two Watatsumi guys. They have come to this with the intention of raising a shitstorm. They're like, we are going to press false accusations of the Tenryo Commission, colluding with the Fatui, so that the peace talks completely implode, because we are fight-happy maniacs. We want everything to go back to open warfare with the Shogunate. They're just making this up. It's all bullshit. It is a pretense to keep fighting. Except... And guess what? Those two rabble-rousers on the Sangonavia side, they just happen to be right. Unbeknownst to everyone... They were correct. There were rogue Tenryo agents colluding with the Fatui. The same people who almost ruined this country. The same people who specifically put Kujo Sara on her ass and are indirectly responsible for her clan's fall from grace. And under her leadership, they did it again. <laughs> God. Can't believe it. Her fucking face. <laughs> so, 
She's just so fucking done with this shit. In front of the person she's negotiating with during the peace talks. How embarrassing. You think she would have gotten a little bit more weary after all of the like things that were exposed to during the Archon quest? She like, was fully wary. That is why she is so pissed. Believe me, she would have given her soul to prevent this from happening again. But mm. she can't get anything done effectively. So, with the absolute shit circus of the peace talks behind her, the future's not really looking great for this Tengu, but we'll be behind her, rooting for her all the way, that maybe one day there will be a W in Tengu. But it's not this day, and it's definitely not any other day that I could possibly even imagine. I think that was good. Yeah, yeah. That's well, also, we, well we have to wrap up the whole episode. I was gonna. Wow. I was hoping somebody would chime in. It's been a lot of me talking. <laughs> well, we can just um, like we can just do that now then. All right. No, no, um, okay. So, uh, should I redo the outro then? Yeah, let's start from the top. Okay, cool. Get the fuck out. Perfect. Yeah, so does uh, anyone among us want to... Uh, fuck, Amogus. Amogus. Uh, from the top, from the top, because uh, I distracted myself with stupidity.